everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is the show where I sit down with the world's top performers and I do everything I can to unpack their brain to help you live your goals in career, hobby, and life. Today's guest is a legend, maybe even the legend, Tony Robbins. Tony is an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, and the nation's number one high-performance business and life strategist, helping the world's very best achieve their goals from athletes like Serena Williams and Ronaldo to business icons like Oprah and heads of state around the world. In his coaching programs and personal development programs and events, he's helped more than 50 million people, yours truly included. I shared that I studied with Tony before in person as a guest at his retreats. Uh, and from mental training and visualization to priming and setting goals, some of the goals that brought Creative Live to life and helped me sell that business. Tony has been right there by my side, helping me through the individual coaching programs and his various videos and events around the world. Absolute legend. Now, this episode is dense and powerful. Some highlights, we talk about mindset as the most powerful tool in the world, we also talk about the most important habit, which is having something that you care about more than yourself as a fundamental driver. We talk about how progress equals happiness, his new book, which is absolutely incredible, called Life Force, how breakthroughs in precision medicine can help transform the quality of your life and those that you love. This is the result of interviews and work with more than 150 of the world's top medical pioneers new breakthroughs, changing everything about how we navigate medicine, completely new paradigms for treating and beating diseases like cancer, like genetic errors, autoimmune diseases, and more. It is an absolutely incredible episode. I'm going to let you enjoy this step out of the way. Again, yours truly and the one and only Tony Robbins. Hey, real quick, before we get into the show, I want to let you know today's episode is sponsored by Creative Live. If there's one thing that's clear now more than ever before, that is refreshing your skills, being critical to the future of your employment, your ability to live the dreams that you seek in career and hobby in life, to expand your business, attract better clients, or move on to that next phase of your career. A recent survey reported that 52% of employees feel burned out at work that's up almost 10% from just a year ago. Now, Creative Live is built to help you reach your goals. It's built with your goals in mind and specifically how to avoid burnout, pursue the things that light you up. So what else is exciting? Gone are the days for paying for every one of the classes individually. Now for 15 bucks a month, you can become a Creative Live subscriber and have access to 2,000 classes. That's where Pulitzer Prize winners, Emmy winners, Oscar winners, Grammy winners teach art, design, photography, video, music, business, and more. Check it out. Go to creativelive.com slash creatorpass. That's all one word, creativelive.com slash creatorpass. Now, let's get into the show. The one and only, the legend himself, Tony Robbins. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, bud. Thanks, Chase. Nice to see you. It's really good to see you. The last time I saw you, I was walking on fire with you somewhere in Florida. I don't know how you did it, um, but you talked me into walking across some hot coals. So thank you very much for for teaching me how to use my mind. We're going to go a lot bigger today, but I first, for the like the eight out of the 150,000 people that are listening, for those eight people, uh, I would love for you to orient us in space around your area of, 
of focus, of work. I mean, we know that you're the number one uh, life and business strategist, the peak performance expert, the New York Times bestseller. But what gets you up in the morning? Start there. <laughs> well, you know, I've always been obsessed with, uh, you know, kind of answer the question of what changes the quality of people's lives. I, you know, I want to have an impact. It isn't because I was just so intellectual about it. Just I grew up with a lot of pain and suffering, so I don't want anybody else to have it. And I love to see people reclaim themselves. And so I became obsessed at a very early age. I didn't have a lot of role models. So I took a speed reading course and my whole goal was read a book a day, which of course I didn't do, but I read about 700 books over seven years, all in the area of human development, psychology, physiology, developed certain skills where I could take somebody with like a lifetime phobia and wipe it out, not in seven years, which was typical five, six, seven years, but in 30 minutes. And I kind of built my career by challenging psychiatrists and psychologists initially you know, as a young kid trying to prove myself, you know, today now I've trained, I have a partner, Chloe Madonna, and we've trained almost 100,000 therapists around the world in the techniques we do. They actually get credits to learn the techniques. But then I started working with athletes early days. It was Olympic athletes and Andre Agassi. And then, you know, over the years, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of World Series, you know, NBA championship rings for all the teams that I've had the chance to work with, NHL hockey teams and so forth. So I applied it to sports. And then I started applying, you know, the fundamentals of really understanding pattern recognition. In other words, you know, if you're a great photographer, you're a great musician, you know, I, by the way, I, I loved your book and I, I love the opening of your book. I just, I hadn't read it in a long time. I pulled it back open again. I love life isn't about, you know, finding fulfillment and success. It's about creating it, right? I know your whole thing's creativity, but to me, that's my exact same mission. I just attack it slightly differently. But to me, it's about pattern recognition because that's what makes things no longer be chaos. Then it's pattern utilization. So, you know, use stress or stress uses you as an example, right? And then it's pattern creation, which is what we're both about. And so what I've tried to do is learn from the patterns that people are the most successful in the world and save people the 10 or 20 years of, you know, learning by trial and error to get to that point. And then getting people, it's like playing somebody else's music on a piano, right? You play other people's music and eventually you know enough, you can stand on those shoulders. Now you can create your own because you have so many reference points. And that's what's evolved for me. So now I have a 105 companies. It's ridiculous. I, I actively manage about 16 of them, but we do about $7 billion in business and a variety of industries from AI to education to, you know, my resort in Fiji and sports teams that I own. Um, and I love the game of life, which is, again, figuring out those three tools and helping people do that. Because if you have kids and I have five kids and five grandkids, and you say, you know, how do I set them up to win in the next 20 years when 40% of the jobs we now know will be gone, replaced by algorithms and robots and obviously various tech approaches to life? Um, then the one thing that gives you power is the ability to see those patterns so you're not in chaos, use them, and again, eventually create them. And that's what you teach as well. So I just do it in a little different way. And this is, you know, my 45th year doing this. I started when I was two, of course. <laughs> and... Uh, and and so now, you know, I take subjects like I spent um, after the 2008 debacle, I've coached Paul Tudor Jones, one of the top 10 financial traders for 24 years. So I know a bit in that area. And I thought, as much as I know, I want to help people. So I came up with this idea that I'm going to go interview 50 of the smartest financial people in the world, people that, you know, all self-made billionaires, all started with nothing, nobody from the Lucky's Perm Club, and see what they did. They all did it differently. And then put it in books. And so I put it in books and made it simple enough that, you know, they're number one New York Times bestsellers, but more importantly, people change their lives. 
And now my, my latest focus, this new book called Life Force, is really the power of, of these breakthroughs that are happening in regenerative medicine. You know, the technology revolution that we've all experienced that, you know, I'm old enough. I, I had one of the original cell phones that was, you know, a foot long, weighed two pounds, cost, you know, 10 grand or the Motorola. You'd probably know what I'm talking about. You know, you charge it for six hours so you could get 30 minutes of talk time. Now, you know, your Apple phone you get for free, you know, with a contract, you know, for the services. And it's got 100 times the power that they had in the computers that ran the Apollo mission, right? So the same thing is happening now with human technology because we're all code. And so I'm sure you've heard about CRISPR and some of the breakthroughs there with gene editing. Well, I've discovered there are dozens and dozens of tools like that right now that most people never see because they're in this area of standard of care. And I needed some of those changes for myself. So it took me on a journey. And so I really wanted to help anybody else I could. And so I wrote this book and then we're donating 100% of the profits I've done with my last three books, the same thing. I was fed when I was 11 years old and we had no food. So, you know, I fed 42 million people over my lifetime. And about seven years ago, when I'm interviewing all these billionaires, I saw the Congress cut food stamps. They call it the SNAP program now by $6 billion, which means every family that actually needs help would have to go without food one week out of every month, unless people like you and I stepped in. So I set a goal. like, what if I fed 50 million people in a year instead of a lifetime? What if I did 100 million? What if I fed a billion people? So that was seven years ago, and we're up to 850 million meals. So we're going to hit the billion a little bit early. And 20 million meals are going to come from this book, to give you an idea. And the balance of the profits are going to take care of people by research on Alzheimer's, cancer, and heart disease. And that's just the beginning. <laughs> So we're going to get to the book in a second. I don't know if you can see. I've just been toting this thing around for the last 10 days, um, dog-earing pages. I do want to get to that. But before we go, I want to stay at this 30,000-foot level for a second. Sure. I, I think it's indisputable that you uh, truly are the number one life and business strategist, peak performance coach. You've coached more number ones in the world, more heads of state. And the words that, again, having uh, been a guest at many of your programs, I want to say thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, part of what you have been able to discern is I, the, your phrase, I believe, is success leaves clues. And whether it's yes. you know the financial world, whether it's the world that we're going to talk about, precision medicine, uh, I'm interested in starting out at habits because the folks that are listening right now are watching the show. There are things that they can do today. And it's my hope that you can start us off as we go a little bit deeper into your material. What are the key habits that you see the most successful and not just successful, but fulfilled people that you've worked with? What are some of the key habits that they have in their lives so that we can orient, uh, you know, again, before we get into money and specifically precision medicine, what are some key habits that people at home should start at? Uh, first of all, I love your question. I want to point out what you just said. You didn't just ask for success. You said, and fulfillment. Because success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you see people that have succeeded in business or finance, but then they take their own lives. And there have been many really wonderful people that have done this themselves over the last few years. And so it's really critical to have both. I think the most important habit to start with is having something that you care about more than yourself. A mission. It could be your family. It could be photography. It could be your business. It could be, you know, something you want to do in your community. It could be humanity. But I don't mean virtue signaling. I mean, you know what you're really driven by. And when people have something that they care about more than themselves, they don't run out of energy. They don't run out of excitement because 
you know, if it's just about you, it's easy to get comfortable. And comfort makes you not grow. You know, people ask me all the time, Tony, you meet millions of people. What's the secret to happiness? And I always laugh and say, it's pretty simple. It's one word, progress. Progress equals happiness. Because if you're not making progress, you're not growing. And there's only a few rules in the universe. They're not mine. <laughs> They're the universe. Everything grows or dies. And everything contributes beyond itself or it's eventually eliminated by evolution. And so, you know, for me, growing and giving is the game. And so you got to find something that makes you want to keep growing and giving so you don't get comfortable. I mean, I don't have to work another day of my life. I'm fortunate enough at this stage of my life and success in what I've done. But now I work harder than I ever have because it's so fulfilling. So then what are the, the habits? You need that first discipline of something you care about more, not virtue signaling. You really do. It'll get you up early to keep you up late. It'll excite you. For me, that's seeing people transform. That's seeing people reclaim themselves. But everybody has their own thing and finding it. You know, creativity for you, it's not just photography, obviously. It's like you've got this base of showing people how to create. And to me, that's progress, right? So it's like, why are, you know, you can't sit at the table of success too long or you get fat and bored, right? So we need to feel alive. We, and, you know, a lot of people achieve a goal and then their brain goes, is this all there is? Or even if you achieved a goal you loved, you know, it's like you loved it. How long did you stay excited about whatever you succeeded at? You know, you may have worked on it for years. Did you stay excited for a year? Almost never. You know, nine months, six months, three months, three weeks three days, three hours, because you're not supposed to stay just satisfied because our nature is to grow. And when we grow, we have something to give. So to me, that's the core. Everyone has different disciplines, but I think how you start your day is one of the most important ones because it frames everything, right? And, you know, there's a concept known as priming. Priming is that a lot of people think their thoughts are their thoughts and they're not. Their thoughts have been primed by the environment. And, you know, there have been many studies done on this. So you, I like to prime consciously, but I'll give you an example. You know, Harvard did a study and they had people, you know, in our country, uh, here in America, at least, there's a belief in a lot of people culturally that people that are from Asia are superior in math. There are a lot of people that believe if you're female, you're not as good at math or sciences, both of which, by the way, are not true. They're gross generalizations. But these are cultural belief structures, and people tend to buy into cultural belief structures, and then it controls what you experience. So they did a study with people, women specifically, and Asian women, and they gave them the SAT test on math, but they did one thing, only one thing before they started. They asked them one question. In one case, they said, what's your gender? And the others, they asked, what's your ethnicity? It's insane. The people that were asked their gender scored 20% lower on the test on average. The one asked who were Asian about what their ethnicity was scored almost 20%, almost a 40% difference in those numbers. Um, there's examples that have been done over and over again with people being influenced without them knowing what's going on. So I like to prime myself. And most people I know do something to prime themselves for their day. Now, some people do it by athletic demands, working out in the morning. Some people do it by taking on the biggest challenge first, because if you take on that big challenge, you get it conquered, you get momentum and you want to do other things. So everyone I've ever interviewed who's the best has some ritual that sets them up, but it's different. My own rituals are I start my morning. Very first thing I do, I go on this freezing cold water. It's not because I like freezing cold water. I'm fortunate enough in my homes around the world, and I have multiple homes because I travel so much. I have these cold plunges I've created that are 56 degrees. And 
you know, uh, in my home in Sun Valley, I literally walk through the snow in the winter and I go in the river, which is usually about, you know, 42, 43 degrees, sometimes a little colder. And I don't do it because it's fun. I don't do it. So in fact, I can't think of a day where I woke up thinking I can't wait to get in that cold water. But I do it for two reasons. There's a health benefit. Every cell in your body, all the blood flows change. Your lymph flow is changed in a millisecond when you get in water that cold. But also, it's the mental discipline of teaching a brain. When I say go, we go. I don't walk up and go, oh, let me wait till I'm a little warmer, maybe five more minutes. Or So I've done it for years and years and years. I say go, we go. And so my brain has learned when I say I'm doing this, there's no internal negotiation. It just happens. And so that's a habit that I've developed within myself. The next habit that I do is I do this priming process. And if anyone wants to learn it, rather than me trying to explain it here, it's only 10 minutes. I was never a meditator. But it really involves you doing about three minutes of those 10 minutes of gratitude, thinking of three moments in your life you're grateful for that are real, not remembering them over there, remembering like you're in the front seat of the roller coaster right now, like you're there. So your biochemistry changes and it's real. It's not fake. And the reason I use gratitude, it sounds mamby-pamby, but it's because the two emotions that mess us up are anger and fear. And so you can't be grateful and angry simultaneously, and you can't be grateful and fearful simultaneously. So most people have a highway to stress and a dirt road to happiness. I start my day by wiring myself, and I do it every day, so it just starts to happen, right, naturally to find that. And then I have three minutes of kind of a prayer type experience, and then three minutes where I focus on three to thrive, three things I want to accomplish, but I see them as done, I feel them as done, I feel the gratitude of it. And so it literally primes your brain to perceive things differently. Then the third thing I do usually is leave a message for somebody. And I leave a message, usually audio messages, and I just leave a sincere compliment. But I don't go, you're a great guy or something. I, I think, it, John, I saw yesterday or last week when we were those kids, everybody else walked off and you spent an extra 10 minutes with them. I just thought that was so you know, reflective of your spirit and your soul and how much you care. And I do that because it's sincere, but it also makes me think about what do I appreciate about all the people around me, and it deepens your relationships. And then the last thing is I try to do the most difficult thing of the day first, so that, boom, you crush that, and then you got momentum. Everything else is easy. So how you start your day and how you end your day are two really important things. But of the two, I think how you start your day may be the most important. Although I will uh, owe you a debt of gratitude. I still prime to this very day, something you personally tra trained me at uh, in Florida. I still train, I do that every day. And I also am a cold, cold water person, except 57 sounds kind of soft tone. I don't know. Like I'm in the 40, 45 <laughs> well, range. I can't get I my thing know. any colder, but I got the river colder. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say if people want to go to it, so I have not explain it, they go to TonyRobbins.com forward slash priming. There's no cost. There's a video there. I'll show you how to do it. So just go to my website forward slash priming and you can, Get, you can learn how to do it if you want to. It's excellent. We've also done a show here on it, uh, I don't know, about 100 episodes ago, but very, very powerful. And I like the idea of success leaving clues. Now, as someone who has dedicated their life to something bigger than themselves, hope I think the word that you used is helping people transform their lives. You've gone very deep on a number of topics. Early on, it was personal achievement, success, fulfillment, some of the things we've already talked about. You mentioned you know, mastering money after the financial crisis, bringing together some of the best minds, Ray Dalio, others, to really dissect um, how to manage your money as it's often obviously a, a key to, to taking care of ourselves, the people that we love. This most recent endeavor um, that 
again, the, the book and one of the reasons that we're on the, you're on the show today, uh, Life Force, How New Breakthroughs in Precision Medicine Can Help Transform the Quality of Your Life and Those You Love. So I would like to do, do a, a, a short, deep dive here and understand, I believe uh, from reading the book, but also uh, conversations that we've had, that you became interested in precision medicine because of your own experiences, which I think are the fundamental drivers. You can get interested in things that affect other people, but if something affects you deeply, you're more interested in it. So can you share with us why you started caring about this, uh, the future of precision medicine from your own experience as, as the starting point? Well, I, I take you back just a second um, to the initial drives because I've been focused on being kind of a biohacker for a long time, but it really started based on fear. Um, when I was early in my career, I worked 20 hour days. I tried to give people everything I possibly could. And I was fortunate enough to work with some great athletes and, you know, you know, President Clinton and a whole series of very high level players. So very quickly, by comparison to what most people imagine, I became successful at what I was doing. No one sees what's behind the, the curtain. But in my head, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And then there's that survival part of our brain that I had not really learned to manage. And that part of my brain was like, why do I have all the success so early? Well, it must be because I'm going to die young. It's the crazy thing that our human mind can do. The mind can do crazy things. And then I, I started obsessing about it. This is like when I'm 18, 19 years old, to give you an idea, 20 years old initially, and it just got bigger. But as I obsessed about it, sure enough, it shows up in your life. And the first time it showed up in my life was not me. It did show up with me. But first it showed up with my girlfriend. She showed up one day and is crying uncontrollably. My mom, my mom, your mom, what? She has cancer. They sent her home to die. She's got nine weeks to live. If it had been me, you know, I don't know if I would have showed up the same level, but most of us will do more for someone we love than we will for ourselves. And so my whole thing is she's not dying. Look, you know, success leaves clues. There are people who have been stage four cancer, tons of them, thousands of them that have turned it around and saved it. We are not going to let this happen. I'm going to read every book. I'm going to find every answer. And so I found this book way back then called One Answer to Cancer. It was written by this dentist who was given, um, I think it was six weeks to live. He had uh, pancreatic cancer, which is one of the most deadly. And, you know, 15 years later, he writes this book and he described how he detoxed his body, took pancreatic enzymes. And so I gave him this book and said, they say you're going to die. You don't want to die. This is the best book I've read so far. I don't know if it's the perfect one, but maybe you want to read this, see if it appeals. Do you want to try this? And then I gave her Asaman Thinket to kind of manage her mind. And within a few weeks of doing this regimen, she felt sizably better. Her energy restored. And then I think it was about six weeks later, eight weeks later, it was eight weeks, she, she had this um, protruding tumor on her back shoulder, and then she had something in her feminine organs, and you couldn't physically see it anymore. And she's supposed to die at nine weeks. And so at 10 weeks, the doctor said, maybe we should do exploratory surgery. And they went in, and the only thing left of the tumor they found was something the size of the end of my pinky's fingernail. And the doctor said, this is a miracle. And she goes, it is a miracle, but let me tell you what I did. He goes, no, 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 don't tell me what you did. It doesn't matter. This is a miracle. This is spontaneous remission. She was in her 40s. She's now in her 80s, still alive. And so that shifted me from victimhood to I'm going to know everything I can about health and I'm going to be a biohacker. And then, you know, you've been to my seminars. You got 10, 15,000 people going 12 hours a day when they wouldn't sit for a three-hour movie. So I got to hold that level of energy. So I learned all these tools to make my body do things that, are kind of inhuman. Like, you know, I burn 11,300 calories in an average day on stage. I have this group that's worked with Tom Brady and a lot of Olympic athletes. And so they've monitored me over three years. I jump a thousand times in a day because I'm going up the building, you know, around and keeping everybody engaged. 
Oh, I've seen it in person. It's it's I'm impressive. 280, I'm 282 pounds. So they explain to me every time you come down, it's four times your body weight. So it's a thousand jumps times a thousand pounds. It's a million pounds of pressure in one day. So eventually that I was still able to do that. But then when I was 32, I'm a helicopter pilot. So you have to renew your license by getting a physical every two years. So I went just get a normal physical. And then my assistant kept saying, the doc wants to talk to you. And I said, just tell him to send me the report. You know, I was like, I didn't have time for this. And then one night I come home and there's a note stapled to my door saying, hey, you got to call the doctor. He says it's an emergency. Well, I didn't get home until 1230 in the morning. And so, you know, I called no answer. And then your mind goes crazy, right? I've lived all these good ways, but yes, I'm fly airplanes all the time. Maybe it's radiation. Do I have cancer? And then, you know, it's like I developed this part of myself. It's like, okay. You know, a courageous person dies once, a coward dies a thousand deaths. Let me wait and see what it is. But the next morning I call the doc and he says, you've got a tumor in your brain. I said, what? I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. I came from my physical. He goes, no, you have a tumor at the base of your skull. It's in your pituitary. And he said, it's definitely there. I said, how could you possibly know that? And he said, well, I, I estimated you have a lot of growth hormone. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm six foot seven. I was five one in high school. I got hands bigger than your head and I got size 16. She, how'd you figure that out, right? But he said, no, but I, so I did these tests and you absolutely have it. And I said, and he, and he wanted to rush me into surgery immediately. And I was leaving the next day to go to the South of France for a seminar. I was like, whoa, 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 slow down. And, you know, even then, because of Jenny, the woman I told you about, I had developed, you got to have a second opinion. And now, you know, the Mayo Clinic just did a study about four years ago, and they recommend even their doctors, you get a second opinion because they did 286 patients and they found only 12% of the time was the first diagnosis and the second the same. 88% of the time it was different. So you got to get another opinion. So I said to him, you know, this is way back then. I hadn't done the Mayo Clinic, but I knew my own experience. I was like, I need another opinion if you don't mind. Who do you recommend? And he did not have a good bedside manner. He was pissed. So I went off to do my seminar over in the south of France. And then, then the brain started going again, right? So I went to go do the test, found out in the MRI that I did have a tumor. It's why I grew 10 inches in a year, but it infarcted a little bit, meaning it shrunk a little bit, but still there putting growth hormone through me. And he wanted to cut me. So I was like, let me ask somebody who's a, you know, has the biochemical approach as opposed to the surgery approach. So I went to this top guy in Boston and he had a totally different bedside manner. And he's like, said to me, Tony, he goes, I wouldn't do the surgery in a million years. It's too risky. A, you could die. B, it'll mess up your endocrine system. You will have no energy. He goes, I think what you should go is go to Switzerland and there's a new drug you can do just once every six months, simple injection. It'll keep your arteries from growing. And that's what kills some people with gigantism. And I said, doc, I said, I, I really appreciate your approach, but you know, he wants to cut me. You want to drug me. And he laughed. He goes, the baker wants to bake. The surgeon wants to cut. <laughs> You're right. I want to drug you. But I said, what if I did nothing since there's no challenge right now? I, this happened at 17. I'm now 32. He goes, well, you could do that, but I think you'd be more certain if you did the drug. And I said, well, what if the drug has side effects? And sure enough, by the way, six months later, after he told me to do this, really good man, by the way, the FDA did not allow it to come to the U.S. because they found it created cancer. I went to six other doctors. End of the story is last doctor comes to me and says, Tony, you have huge growth hormone, but I've never seen any human recover from two marathons per day for three days in a row within two days. He said that growth hormone is like supercharging your ability to recover. And he goes, I know bodybuilders that spend $1,200 a month to get what you're getting for free. So I was 32. I'll be 62 in a few days. Bottom line is I've, had, I've monitored it. I've never had a problem. So it taught me 
to question, you know, not to not pay attention, but to question and say, I want to look at other opinions. And then why I finally wrote this book, I had all that history. But then about four years ago, I'm being an idiot chasing like a 14-year-old chasing a 22-year-old professional snowboarder down a mountain. And he had moves I clearly did not have. And I thought I literally broke my neck. The injury was so bad, but it turned out I tore my rotator cuff severely. And I, I went, of course, you know, I, I couldn't sleep. I, the pain was 9-9 on a 0 to 10 scale. So I slept one hour, an hour and a half. So I go to all these docs over the next week. Everyone, surgery, surgery, surgery. But I asked them, okay, tell me the process. Am I guaranteed? And they, well, you're not guaranteed to have your shoulder lift beyond this level. It may not work. It could tear again. Four to six months of rehab. I, I got to go do seminars. I can't do it with one arm, right? And then the last guy sits me down. He's a really nice guy, but he goes, now I have to be straight with you. And he pulls out my spine and I had spinal stenosis, which I knew I've been in pain for 14 years. And he said, Tony, one decent hit and life as you know it is over right now. He said, no more jumping, no more running, no more snowboarding. And you know, if somebody punches you and you're ready for it, it's one thing, but I was not ready. It was devastating. So I, I got over the devastation and said, I need to look for some other options because none of these solutions work. And there's no guarantee the surgery there would help. So I went to Peter Diamandis, who's a good friend of mine. He's a rocket scientist, but he's also an MD from Harvard. And then I went to Dr. Bob Harari, who's one of the early fathers of stem cells. He's a neurosurgeon. And Bob said, Tony, your stem cells at your age, you know, this is back then, he said, they, they drop off the cliff at 40. So you don't want to do this stuff where you're doing, you know, autologous, which means your own cells. It'd be fine for an elbow or knee, but not when your whole shoulder. He said, you need four-day-old stem cells. He told me where to go. I said, I don't want fetal tissue. He goes, no, no, this, these are cord stem cells or placenta. When babies are born, they usually throw it away. I went down and got an IV and, and an injection three days in a row. First day, I just felt tired. Second day, I woke up, not only no pain in my shoulder, I woke up with no pain in my spine for the first time in 14 years. And I did the MRI three weeks later, nothing wrong with my shoulder, no surgery. So I became an evangelist. I want to know everything about stem cells. But then I realized it wasn't just stem cells. Again, it's this whole regenerative medicine breakthrough. And I was invited by the Pope to come be, he, believe it or not, the Pope every two years puts on the number one regenerative health conference, brings doctors from all over the world because he sees it as a gift to humanity. And they made me the cleanup speaker. And I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to just go speak. I stayed there for the whole three, four days. I met everybody. I met a kid 11 years old who was supposed to die at four. His sister's stem cells turned him around. I met people sent home to die, you know, by their doctors and they didn't give up. And he went and did CAR T cells. And I'll, here they are eight years later, totally healthy. And so that started me on a journey. And that's why I ended up writing the book. And so then I just found all of these tools. So think about this, for example. I know you know about gene therapy. So you know, there are people that are blind that now can see. There's a kid that was on America's Got Talent who can see now from it. Um, they're curing diseases with CRISPR, you know, literally editing the genes. You know, you got stem cells where people are healing in days instead of months. You know, uh, Jack Nicholas wrote an endorsement on my book, you know, The Greatest Golfer of All Time. I met him at the uh, conference, the Vatican conference. We ended up developing a friendship and he he was supposed to get spinal fusion, which, by the way, only works about 50% of the time, and you're pretty immobile. So he did stem cells instead. He's 82, and he couldn't stand for 10 minutes without pain. He couldn't golf, couldn't play tennis. Now he plays golf and tennis at 82 years old. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, the greatest soccer player probably of all time, you know, instead of going through months of rehab when he pulled his calf, he was able to do it in less than three weeks with this. So you have these tools that are amazing. You have there's, a, there's an injection right now. It's in phase three trials, so your audience understands. Phase one is safety. Phase two 
is efficacy. Phase three is efficacy at scale. And then if you make it through that, you get approved. So they're in the final phase three trials. They believe they'll get approved the end of this year or beginning next. Check this out. Single injection. If you have arthritis, osteoarthritis, it causes your own stem cells to regrow your tendons, but it does it based on your epigenome, meaning the original code. So you get like 16-year-old tendons, even if you're 40, 50, 60, or 70 years old. Um, heart disease. Um, you know, the, the, you know, most people know it's the number one killer. The best thing is prevention. What's the best way to know? A CT scan. You know, I, I have a group of partners now, and we have different centers that do this type of work. And one of them called me less than six months ago and says, Tony, there's this new breakthrough. It's the greatest breakthrough in cardiology. I go, the guy's talking to me doesn't overstate. So it's like, I, I said, that sounds like a big statement. He goes, no, Tony, I'm not exaggerating. It's a new AI that can take a CT scan where they're looking to see whether or not you've got, you know, buildup in, in your arteries. And what they're looking for is calcium buildup. But he said, hard calcium means it's healed. You're not going to have a heart attack. It's the loose calcium that can break off and be the widow maker and give you a stroke or give you a heart attack. He goes, this AI opens the arteries digitally, seeks through them, shows you what's happening and measures what's calcified versus uncalcified, gives you a score, and then they can predict a heart attack five years in advance and they tell you what to do to avoid it. So my father-in-law was with me. He just turned 80. People around him, you know, he'd been a really vibrant guy. You know, he owned his own business. He's a lumber business, very strong man. And, you know, people tell you, get your affairs in order when you're 80. And I get to see the energy dropping. So I said, hey, Pops, I said, I'm going to go to the center here and I'm going to do this thing. I explained it to him. And I said, you and I are both at a stage of life where we're going to have some of this soft plaque, but we can know how much is there and they'll show us what to do. He goes, I'm in. So I take him over there and the best thing happens, he goes there. He's clean as a whistle. Everything he's got is calcified. He has nothing loose in his body. His entire mindset changes. And then there's a a new form of therapy that we've done for some of the greatest world-class athletes. I've had it done. I torqued my ankle a decade and a half ago and the nerves are so sensitive that even though I got a massage, don't touch it. Cause it'd be like uh, getting shot electricity up your leg. And I will, they go in, they scan you with ultrasound. They see exactly where the tissues have locked in against the nerves. They put in amniofluid, which opens it all up. The nerve releases and I got no pain whatsoever. So my, my father-in-law has this problem with his hip. He's walking, you know, walking bad, feeling old. 20 minutes later, he's walking perfect. So we get on the plane. This is my favorite you know, experience is he sits across me and he goes, you know, Tony, those people talk about living 110, 120. I don't know if I believe that, but my heart's perfect. My hip's perfect. I could live another 20 years. I could live to hundred. He goes, 20 years. That's like a lifetime. You've only been married to my daughter 22 years, you know? And like his entire mindset has changed. There's a doctor at Stanford, you may have heard of doc, you know, that has, he's, he's the top longevity expert in the world, right? And David Sinclair is his name. David is 53 years old. He has figured out how to reverse aging for a period of time. Your chronological age is not the same as how, how your organs age or how you're aging as a whole. So he's 53, but as chronologically, he's 33 in his biochemistry. I've done what he taught for nine months, 10 months now. I'm 62, but I'm 51 in that area. And I've only done it for nine or 10 months. So these breakthroughs are real. And there's some things that you can do that are really simple. Like you're worried about cancer, you know, broccoli sprouts, as simplistic as this sounds, they've been showed thousands of studies of what they do for cancer. And they kill 80% of cancer cells in the breast for women because it has this thing called sulforaphane in it that is proven, but most people know nothing about it. 
uh, sleep. You know, I, I, I interviewed, I was doing the sleep chapter when I was, my whole thing is I'll sleep when I die has been my whole life. That's why I look at things, right? And I interviewed this doctor, Dr. Walker's his name. He's professor of neuroscience at UC Berkeley. And I'm doing the chapter after doing the interview with him at 6.15 or 6.30 in the morning. I got to be up in three hours this is my life. And I'm like, something's wrong with this. But he convinced me to change my pattern. I'll tell you why. He said, Tony, I, I know one fact that will get your attention above all others. Said, what is it? He goes, we did a study with 1.6 billion people on just losing an hour of sleep and what it means. I said, how could you coordinate a study like that? He goes, we didn't have to. 70 countries have daylight savings time. He said, check this out. When we spring forward and we lose just one hour for the next three days, no matter what country you go in, heart attacks go up approximately 24% on average across the world. When we fall back and get an extra hour, they drop 21%. It even has correlations to car accidents. So then he showed me, you know, somebody like me sleeping four or five hours a night, their testosterone is usually the same as a man 10 years older than they were. That got my attention. And then for females, for every hour less than eight hours, and some women, seven hours is enough. He explains the difference. But for every hour beyond what they need less, they have 14% less desire to move forward. So he teaches real simple things like having a consistent time to fall asleep and wake up because the body's based on rhythms, dropping the temperature to 65 to 67 degrees so you drop into a deeper sleep, you know, having an eye mask so you don't have the light. There's some simple things that don't cost you anything but completely change the quality of your life. And so I, I try to get all of them, including the alternatives that we have for Alzheimer's, cancer, heart disease, like the best that exists out there so people know what choices they have. Because every day of my life, every day, once every 10 days, two weeks or a week, Somebody calls me, I have so many people I know or that know of me, and they say a person's got cancer in their family, or they do, or a family member's got Alzheimer's. And so now I can send them the best that exists right now, and they know who to contact, they know what to do, they understand the science behind it. So I wrote this for the people I love, and I wrote it for the people that you love, so that hopefully you can help them, not just yourself as well. So this book is very, very dense, and I should congratulate you. It is a masterpiece of taking something very, very complex and simplifying it so folks like myself and the readers and listeners of the show can actually make progress. My question is, okay, at 600 pages covering everything from stem cells to T-helper cells to athletes, entrepreneurs, uh, taking care of the older adults in our lives, there's a lot of information here. How do you recommend, I read it cover to cover, uh, because I'm fascinated by because I'm fascinated by every aspect of the book. At times, it's it's overwhelming. As someone who's aggregated all this, do you think this ought to be more of a reference? For example, if a person listening is type two diabetes and they can uh, read the chapter, the the synopsis on diabetes, and there's everything from what you can do at the dinner table at mealtime, for example, to you know the most um, audacious and uh, lofty goals and surgeries and things like that. So how do you recommend we wrap our heads around basically an encyclopedia of the future of what medicine is available to everybody? Well, I divide it into five sections. Uh, the first section sets the, the tone, so to speak, and gives you some of the pieces that help you understand why we age, what's changing, what's going on, stem cells, et cetera. The second section is all these hero stories of people like the Parkinson's guy that now you don't have to do brain surgery you know, I watched a woman literally turned around in front of me who was taking 15 medications. She just took a, can't walk across the room and she just did a 50 mile bike ride, right? 
it's all non-invasive ultrasound. So I tell the stories uh, in the second section of some of the greatest breakthroughs. Then the third section is all the stuff that you can do that costs you nothing right now, things for your energy, your body, your diet, et cetera. And then the fourth section is the one that will overwhelm some people because it's every major disease and every tool that's available. And I recommend read the ones about the ones that you're concerned about or the people you care about or come back to it when there's a problem. And then the last section is really the mind and the power of the mind and your emotions and how to create the quality of life you want because you have a great body, but you don't have the emotional well-being and the mental well-being, you're not going to heal. So I recommend you did it all at one piece. I recommend reading those first three sections and then the fourth section, dive in only to the level that you really want to right now and then read the last section so you get the benefit of that. I think that's the best way to, to take it on. It's an incredible gathering of information and I know it wasn't easy and I know you had some folks uh, uh, Peter Diamandis who's also been a guest on the show and a good friend of yours I know and uh, Dr. Harari so thank you for that guidance and I, as again someone who is fanatical about this stuff and consumed it all the ability to use this book as a reference I don't know again if that's how you intended it but uh, yeah it's like a guidebook so when you need now that you know it you'll pick it up when you need some pieces or you'll dive in some things like you know uh, you know NMN that, that gives you the body the energy and the mitochondria you go man I really want more energy then you can dive in and do that activity so I try to get people at the end to say you don't need to do all this you now know what's available what are three to five things you want to do right now for your own life? And then if somebody in your family or friends is having a challenge, boom, pick up that section. You can deliver it to them or you can reread it and go, wow, this is the stuff that can save you right now. I wrote the book without sounding ridiculous, not just to help improve or change a life, but it truly can save lives, especially the diagnostic stuff. So I'd really recommend also for anybody, especially if you're in the age of 40 or older, to really take a look at the diagnostic things because the things in that section can literally save your life and, and they're really easy to do. And going to a doctor and having a physical, most of us don't even do it anymore because having somebody tap on your knee, look in your ear, check your heart by listening. I mean, that was done 80 years ago. And now you can do some things that really tell you exactly what's going on so you can handle things when it's little, not wait till there's a real challenge. Or you can have the peace of mind of knowing, hey, I'm, I'm crushing it. This is a great place to be. Yeah, that biological age is something I'm working on getting down. Uh, to that end, there's a bunch of people who are listening right now are saying, yeah, but I am not wealthy. I am not connected. I don't have uh, access to doctors or medical insurance or so many of the things that have historically um, separated have and have not. And I'm wondering if you can comment upon how this book can transcend that that historical mindset about what is available to the people who are watching and listening. I'm admittedly, we have many of the same friends. And if I get, you know, if I need something, I'm going to, you know, call Tim Ferriss for this or Brene Brown for that. And, and yet the, so many people in the world don't see themselves in that light. And so what can you guarantee that your book will do for the folks who don't feel connected to people that actually are able to offer that help? How can you, how can you uh, help us understand this book is for them as well? Well, I, I wrote it so I could give you access. I do have access. I'm fortunate enough to access, but I also went after the access. So I literally save you all the time and energy and here's who to reach out to. And you'd be surprised. Like stem cell therapy used to be extremely expensive. Four years ago when I did my intervention on my shoulder, you know, you could do your elbow or your wrist or a knee usually for 2,500 bucks today, like less than a laptop and surgery is more expensive than that. And you got a life back and you didn't have surgery, right? But mine was much more complex. You know, it's spinal stenosis. Some 
Mine cost, I think at the time, I think it was $25,000, but the surgery was more. So I was like, okay. But now I just did an uptake just for vitality and energy. And I, I did these and it cost, I think it was seven, 7,500 bucks for the same treatment. I mean, and so it's starting, it's going to be, you know, my goal of the companies I'm working with is to get the price down by 90%. And it's getting closer and closer. But for example, you know, You've seen some people get those audio implants and then they cry, they can hear for the first time. Well, that's kind of the impact with somebody with Parkinson's. And that now is covered by insurance. It's in a hundred different hospitals around the world. And, you know, broccoli sprouts, come on. <laughs> it doesn't cost you anything, right? Sleep. So there is so much and it costs nothing. But then if you need something, you can graduate based where you're going to go. But it's kind of like, again, it's the, it's the cell phone situation, right? That costs... 4,000 bucks when I had that cell phone, it would be 10 grand in today's money. And now you can get one, you know, for the price of a contract. So it's all coming down so fast that I show you what's available right now and what's available in the next 12 to 36 months. It will blow your mind and price points are going because here's what happens. We're all, it's all technology now. So technology, as you know, every 18 months doubles in power and halves in cost. And that's what's happening with these treatments. So this is not for the wealthy. This is for anybody that just really wants to maximize their health. But if you get in a real health issue, it's a lot cheaper. I mean, the average treatment, you know, for cancer, depending on the type of cancer, is between a quarter of a million dollars and a half a million dollars. Right? You go, yeah, but insurance is covering it. Well, the interventions that some of these doctors are doing are also covered by insurance. You know, CAR T cells, as an example, uh, last week or four days ago, uh, in Nature, there's a big article, and it talks about for liquid cancers like leukemia. That no people in cancer never talk about cancer cures. They're calling it a cure because 10 years later, people are not only free of cancer, but they have these CAR T cells still killing off cancer in their body with no additional intervention. So this is the type of stuff that's available. So don't let your mindset of limitation limit you from getting resources that can cause you to have an experience of unlimited energy or strength or vitality. And do, do the homework because if you don't, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is pain. Ignorance, in its worst case, is death. You, you owe it to yourself to get this for yourself and other people. And again, I'm not making a dime on this. We're giving 100% of it away. You can help other people while you're helping yourself or the people you love. Mindset's the last thing I want to cover. But before we do, just by analog, the, the human genome cost $3 billion to get the first one. And now it's like $600 or something That's right. like that. It That's took 13 just, years for one person's. And seven years into it, they only get 1%. They thought it would never work. They know it's going to cost hundreds of billions. So it was $2.7 billion to be accurate, say $3 billion, and it took 13 years. Now it's 600 bucks, and you can have it done overnight. That shows you what I'm talking about that's happening right now. And it's accelerating, right? Now, you know, MRIs cost a lot of money right now. There's a company I actually invested in myself that's built technology for a portable MRI, not tens of millions of dollars, not $2 million, something that literally would cost like $25,000 and would be portable. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's happening right now. So again, let go of the old paradigm in your mind that says, oh, I can't have those things. Only rich people have that. That's total bullshit. That's just you playing a game in your head, which is why you got to make sure you master this part as well as what's going on physically. That to me is something that we, you can't underscore enough. And one of the reasons I wanted to end with mindset, it's uh, I'm looking here at chapter uh, 24, page 569, create an extraordinary life, the power of mindset. Now we're having a full circle moment here because so much of the early work that you did, you know, again, seminars that I've been a guest of yours at working with the, the names you've named, Serena Williams, Oprah Winfrey, Jack Nicholas, the best in the world. 
so much of that was mindset. And I saw that in your early coaching. Now here we are with this most recent book called Life Force, and we're back at mindset. What role does mindset play in one's life? Well, think about, let's just talk about placebos for two minutes. Placebos, most people know, they're a inert substance that people get, but they think it's a drug and their body responds as if it was the drug. It was started in World War II. It was discovered by a doctor who ran out of morphine. He's trying to treat people. And if you don't treat the morphine, not only does their pain go there, but they go into shock and they die. And it was actually a nurse, not the doctor, that came with the solution. She filled a syringe with saline, handed the doctor. He thought it was still, she found some more morphine. So he injected it with the expectation, his face, his voice, this will take you out of pain. This is going to make you well. And he didn't find out until afterwards that he treated 10 people with saline solution with nothing in it. Not one went into shock and they all lived. So when he came back after World War II to Harvard, this doc said he was the one who created what we now consider to be the most valuable studies where you compare a drug to a placebo, which is inert. What people don't talk about is a lot of times placebos are more effective than the drugs, but no one talks about that because there's no money in that, right? You don't make billions of dollars by teaching people about their mind. So bottom line is the larger the intervention the more your brain believes, the more the, the reaction we get. So a pill has a certain reaction, a bigger pill, more, an injection higher. In my book, I described the Veterans Administration did a study with knee surgeries. They took a third of the people and did a fake knee surgery, meaning they cut them open and just sewed them back up and did nothing to the knee, just so they had a scar there. And a year later, I have the statistics in there, but the bottom line is the people that didn't have surgery reported no pain, more mobility than the people who had the surgery. And it's just because that's the power of this. So, and you can even give somebody, not a placebo, you can give them a drug. Harvard did a study where they gave people barbiturates, slow your body down, told people it's an amphetamine, a big red pill, and their body sped up. Did the opposite of the drug. It's not just our body can do what drugs do. It can do, it can counter a drug. We can make ourselves sick by the way we think. So one of the reports I have in there is from the CDC. Most people by now know that dying of COVID outside of age, the number one factor is obesity. 79.8%, call it 80% of the people that died were obese. They have all kinds of comorbidities as a result of that. Something we could easily take care of, but no one talks about it. But the number two no one talks about in the CDC study was anxiety and fear. Because psychoneuroimmunology, our minds can shut down our immune systems. Our minds can change our breath. And so that's the number two. And unfortunately, if you look at the news, most of it induces fear, right? And people aren't trying to do a bad job. They're just trying to report. But so much fear that people are overwhelmed. So our mind is everything. And so I teach some techniques, as I've always done, saying, okay, it's great you took care of your body. Let's make sure you have an extraordinary quality of life because your emotions are everything. Like, you know, you got a billion dollars. And if every day the emotions you feel most often habitually are anger and frustration, then your life's anger, frustration. You have three beautiful children, a husband or wife that loves you, but you're worried all the time. Your life is worry. You don't feel the love. So we all have an emotional home, a place we're used to going back to. And it might be time to upgrade your home. And so in the book, I walk you through some of the ways to do that. Some of the questions you can ask yourself, some of the decisions that can change that very quickly. All that plus the potential for of living to 120 years old the fact that we're going to have nano robots in our in, in our blood in the 2030s an incredibly inspiring book tony thank you so much for creating another masterpiece another uh 
uh, I guess, a mountaintop for us to look up to, to aspire to. And what you've done is made it available. Again, what we're talking about, folks, listeners out there, Life Force, how new breakthroughs in precision medicine can transform the quality of your life and those you love. You've done it again, man. <laughs> Thank you, James. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all you do. Keep all that creativity flowing, brother. <laughs> Happy to do it, and I look forward to uh, a golf match sometime. You, me, and Mary B. It's happening. We're going to get together sometime, and and uh, maybe in maybe in uh, Sun Valley. Okay, I love that. I heard you've gone there a lot, so we, we we go there a lot too. We love it. Mary's coming back. Say goodbye too. I'm just saying, telling you, you're going to get smoked when we golf. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. I do not doubt that. Tone, thanks again, bud. Have a good one, and uh, Mary B. I'll catch you later, friend. Blessings to you, man. God bless. Thank you very much, Tom. Ciao, ciao. All right. Hey, as we wrap this episode, I want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. Yours truly and a handful of highly committed people put a lot of work into the show. And I am so happy to hear when you enjoy it, when you love it. If you dig it, you get any value from it. I have the favor that you drop us a podcast review. We've got you know a lot of reviews on Apple. If you uh, listen on Spotify, they just opened up a new review platform. Would love to get your review there as well. It means a ton. Now, if you're new here, A, welcome to the show. Uh, subscribing is super easy, and I would love it if you press that subscribe button at whatever podcast platform you listen to. And also, B, I would encourage you to check out chasejarvis.com slash podcast, where I've compiled a list of some of my favorite episodes, which is, would be a great sort of primer, a great starter pack for you to get going on. So thank you so much for being a part of this community, for listening to the show. I'm looking forward to hearing about how this episode lands with you. I'll look for your comments out on social media, or you can always text me directly with feedback at 206-309-5177. Thanks a lot. Another episode coming right up. Mm -hmm.